right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. <laughs> You're the one that's supposed to say it. You say go, I say No, yo. because you don't know what the intro is going to be. I, I already had an intro planned for this one. So did I. That's why I wrote it. <laughs> you do your intro and then I'll do the, the real intro. All right, fucking. <laughs> go. Hola, banditos and banditoettes. I'm Joe. Mike. And this is The Pitch. <laughs> That's it? Yeah. That's your intro? Hola, banditos and banditoettes? Yeah. I know it's banditas, but I just wanted to sound stupid. So, accomplished. Yes. All right. When it comes to cool chase movies, there are very few that have been really fun and really good. Baby Driver being the most recent. Mad Max Fury Road, Smoking the Bandit. Cannonball Run, although you can probably throw in an argument for that one. And quite possibly a few others, but for the life of me, I cannot remember them. Each week, we take a stab at throwing together a movie based on the film we just saw, since we just watched Baby Driver. Well, technically, we saw it last week. Yeah. Our pitch this week is for the Chase film. Who should go first? You go first. Get your... Uh, really? Yeah, because ours are com- two completely different things. You You decided to do yours your way, and I decided to do a... Yours your way. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, it's completely different directions. All right. I didn't go after Baby Driver. I went after an actual chase film. Which has a six degrees connection. Kind of. So, wealthy Texan Big Enos Burdett <laughs> and his son, Little Enos Burdett. Big Enos played by Will Sasso. <laughs> Little Enos play, played by Peter Dinklage. Seek a truck driver willing to bootleg Coors Beer to Georgia for the refreshment. At the time, Coors was regarded as one of the finest beers in the United States, but it could not be legally sold east of the Mississippi River. (coughs) Truck drivers who had taken the bet previously had been caught and arrested by Smokey, CB slang for highway patrol officers referring to the Smokey Bear-type hats worn in some states. Kojaks with a Kodak. Did uh, Budweiser have a monopoly on the East Coast or something? No. The Burdettes find the son of legendary truck trucker Bo Bandit Darville Jr., played by Tyler Hoechlin, competing in a truck rodeo at Lakewood Fairgrounds in Atlanta. They offer him $250,000 to haul 400 cases of Coors beer from Texarkana, Texas, back to Atlanta in 28 hours. Now, we're going with that because the easiest thing to do is just to, when when we're doing a kind of remake homage to Smoking the Bandit, is to keep the story similar and basic. Yeah. Big Enos has sponsored a driver running in the Southern Classic Stock Car Race, it wants to celebrate in style when he wins. Bandit accepts the bet and recruits his friend and partner Cletus Snowman Snow, Johnny Knoxville, to drive the trucks. Johnny. While Bandit drives the blocker, a black Trans Am bought on an advance from the Burdettes to divert attention away from the truck, truck and its illegal cargo. The catch is that Bo and Cletus cannot use any modern-day technology. They have to use the same tech as their parents used, the old Trans Am, minus some upgrades to the frame, the truck, some CB radios, and that's it. The trip to Texas is mostly uneventful, except for at least one pursuing Smokey whom Bandit evades with ease. They reach Texarkana an hour ahead of schedule, load the truck with beer, and head back towards Atlanta. Immediately upon starting the second leg of the run, 
Bandit picks up runaway bride Carrie, played by Mia Kunis, whom he eventually nicknames Frog because she's kind of cute like a frog and always hopping around. But in doing so, Bandit makes himself target of Texas Sheriff Buford T. Justice Jr., played by MC Ganey. A career lawman whose handsome but slow-witted son, Jr., played by Rob Riggle, was to have been Carrie's bridegroom. Ignoring his own jurisdiction, Sheriff Justice, with Jr. in tow, chases Bandit all the way to Georgia, even as various mishaps cause his cruiser to disintegrate around them. The remainder of the film is one lengthy high-speed chase as Bandit's antics attract more and more attention from local and state police across Dixie, while Snowman barrels on towards Atlanta with the contraband beer. Bandit and Snowman are helped along the way via CB by many colorful characters, including an undertaker with his hearse driver in their funeral procession, an elderly lady, a drive-in waitress, and all her customers, a convoy of trucks, and even a madman who runs a brothel. Oh, madam, not madman. A madam who runs a brothel <laughs> out of her RV. Neither Sheriff Justice nor any other police officers have any knowledge of Snowman's illegal manifest. The chase intensifies as Bandit and Snowman get closer to Atlanta, Moments after crossing back into Georgia, Bandit comes to the rescue when Snowman is pulled over by a motorcycle patrolman, and state and local police step up their pursuit with more cruisers, larger roadblocks, and even a police helicopter to track Bandit's movements. Discouraged by the unexpected, unexpected mounting attention, and with four miles left to go, Bandit is about to give up, but Snowman refuses to listen and takes the lead, smashing through the police roadblock at the entrance of the fairgrounds. They arrive back at Lakewood Speedway, while the Southern Classic race is being run with only 10 minutes to spare. Instead of taking the payoff, Frog and Bandit accept a double-or-nothing offer from Little Enos, a challenge to run up to Boston and bring them back clam chowder in 18 hours. They quickly escape in one of Big Enos's Cadillac convertibles, passing Ju- Sheriff Justice's badly damaged police car by the side of the road. Bandit first directs Sheriff Justice to Big and Little Enos, but then an ingester of respect reveals his true location and invites Justice to give chase, leaving Junior behind. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. All right. Uh, uh, this may be a short podcast. <laughs> you, that's the fastest you've ever read um, one of your uh, <coughs> one of your pitches. Great. So, all right. Uh, I win the. Different- I mean, I I I could go into a little bit more detail. The reason why I picked Smoking the Bandit is because a I think Baby Driver has more in common with Smoking the Bandit than anything else, especially with the chases and whatnot. B, I've always wanted to see Smoking the Bandit redone properly. Yeah. But it has to be done in a way that it's it's an homage. Yeah. And a remake and a sequel, like the the whole car thing. Like it, the car would have to be the Trans Am, yeah. but with modern day suspension and all this other shit, right? Yeah. And, and, and the caveat being... They can't use modern technology. So no computers, no cell phones, no nothing. Which is kind of cool because then it's harder to track them. No, the police can. The police get their modern day stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying if you don't have a cell phone, it's hard to track a cell phone signal on you. Mm. Ah, never mind. You have, <laughs> you have modern day appliances that can track anything anywhere at any time, including cameras and whatnot. So finding them is not going to be a problem. It's catching them. So the, the whole point of the movie would be are they going to get caught, you know? And the other thing is, is you know, the bootlegging thing, I, you know, at this point, it's not really bootlegging because it's not legal to sell cores across state lines. Yeah. So you would have to find something. <laughs> Making computer chips. No, you don't no, You don't change it. I'm joking. So you just keep it to beer, you know? Yeah. Coors Light or Coors, right? 
So it's the same thing, except now you're having it's it's basically the uh, the hot dog eating contest, yeah. right? Where you have the 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 no one's ever done this. Now Bandit's done it in less than twenty eight hours, right? Yeah. Well, now we need you to do it in less than twenty six hours or twenty seven hours or whatever the fuck it is now. Yeah. Right. And you would think that not be a big deal going from Georgia to Texarkana and back, which is I think it's like only 500 miles, uh-huh. you know, so it's a thousand miles each way or it's a thousand miles total, Yeah, which is going down to Southern California and back, which is basically a 12 hour drive. Yeah. But you got to elude cops. You got to do this. You got to do that, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So and it could be a little bit more than a thousand miles, but even if it's 2000 miles, that's 24 hours, right? Double it. Yeah. Right. Oh, right. So. Got to make sure you have a convoy song in there, too. No. <laughs> we got a great big convoy. Michael McDonald sings it. Convoy. We <laughs> convoy. <laughs> All right. So I went in a completely different direction uh, with mine, with my pitch. I decided to do a sequel to Baby Driver. Which they're making. Yeah. Um, that was also one of the reasons why I decided to do a sequel instead of whatever else. And because... I'm all about making sure that the sequel emulates something from the the first one. Regardless if the movies are a year apart or 30 years apart, have that connection, right? Whatever. So. <laughs> Whatever, man. All right, this time I'm not going to do the three-act thing. I'm just going to do the setup, and I'm going to do the first act, and then either you take it or you fucking don't. I don't give a shit. That's everybody, by the way. All right, so... The setup is five years after he gets out of prison, uh, he and living in Atlanta suburb with uh, with Deborah, their four year old daughter, little Debbie. Hold on, hold on. What? Most people don't know who the fuck you're talking about. Baby driver. I know, but most people don't know who I'm Deborah gonna, and Baby is. I'm gonna get to that. You, I'm, the sentence isn't over. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> okay. Five years later, living in an Atlanta suburb with Deborah, their four year old daughter, little Debbie, and Joseph, a still on parole baby, Miles. Ironically, works as a limo driver by day and an occasional DJ for a local club at night. Now, the things I left out of the description is pretty much anything parole related. Um, that he can't, there's limitations to what he can do, and that's why he's only had these weak jobs and blah, blah, blah. Um, he's going to be on you know parole for probably a very long time because of he, the 25 year sentence that he got. Um, the money from Doc that, um, that he got at the end of the last movie um, is gone, and Deborah's going to school. Um, Baby's very happy, you know, having a family, but there's still something feels like it's missing, like not getting to live life the way that they should be living their lives. Um, a cool but unprofitable celebrity status around, <laughs> surrounds him locally because, you know, the shit that came up on the news and whatever else. And constantly, it constantly reminds him of, of, of the easy big bucks um, that he gained in the past. Uh, small offers um, occasionally present themselves but baby stays good. You know, like if he runs into somebody and someone's like, hey, you know, you could do a job together, blah, 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 right? Um, but he, he just shuns it off. Uh, uh, all right. Using uh, Joseph as yeah, his inspiration. I'm there, I'm there. Using Joseph as his inspiration. Um, anyone who know, remembers jo- who Joseph is, that's his um, foster father, the um, the deaf foster father. Um, using him as his inspiration, baby volunteers at a local school for hearing impaired children. And someday wishes to start a music school to help them create through their disabilities. Um, 
because if you remember Baby in the first movie, he's even though he does driving and he's really good at driving, his main passion is music. So I figured since he grew up, he was raised by someone like Joseph, he would um, do something in a way to honor him by also wanting to help other people. So that's why I went that route with, uh, with, the, with the baby. All right. So in the first act, movie starts off where uh, sitting in the red WRX. Why, that, why is he in a red WRX? The red, I mean, once I read this to you, you'll, you'll get it. Okay. Sitting in the red WRX, the same red WRX that he, he drove in the first movie, in the first scene of the first movie, and listening to Time Has Come Today by the Chamber Brothers. Time! Uh, baby waits while, while familiar sounds of, of a robbery come from, from the bank across the street. Uh, the volume of music increases with the tension of, of, of him waiting in the car and the distant sounds of siren, uh, you know, like police sirens approaching. At the pinnacle of the tension of the scene, the song instantly cuts out with Baby turning his head to see three Halloween Michael Myers masks, uh, mask-wearing robbers, already sitting in his car staring at him. Like it just, you know, like, like a flash cut, right? Um, from the robber in the front seat, you hear Doc's, um, Kevin Spacey's voice calmly say, well, let's go, baby. And he floors it, all right? Baby floors it. While Doc never removes his mask during this whole sequence, the two in the back seat remove theirs to reveal themselves as Griff, John Berthal's character, and No-Nos, um, played by Flea. As the backseat argues about the job, those two arguing with each other, Baby struggles to get a song to play while he's evading, misspelled evading, while he's evading the cops. All the while, Doc stares at him through the mask and says nothing. With no music and the cops getting closer and closer, Baby crashes through his family as they appear in the middle of the road while they beg him to stop. Flipped over and on fire with the cops walking up, Griff and Flea are already gone and Doc is still staring right at Baby. All he says to him is, baby, I thought I told you to leave. Or, uh, God damn it, Mike. <laughs> How can you not remember what you wrote? Because, dude, I, I have so many things in my mind. <laughs> baby, I thought I told you to run. Right? Harkening back to the last film. Alar- then all of a sudden, an alarm goes off playing Knocking on Heaven's Door by Bob Dylan, which is on purpose because that's the hex song, one of the hex songs from Jamie Foxx's character Bats in the first film. Uh, with baby awakening in bed next to Deborah. Intro to the family dynamic with them, you know, catch up dialogue on the what's going on with their lives in a way. And, uh, you know, you see how everyone's living in the house. And then he leaves in a limo that's already parked at his place to go to work. Um, during his, you know, his drive in the morning, he gets a call from his PO, his pro, you know, parole officer, setting up a monthly follow-up. <laughs> Fuck you, Mike. <laughs> You're over-explaining everything. All right, gets a call from his PO for the monthly follow-up, which is going to be for the next day. And he stops at the deaf school to see some of the kids that he's, you know, familiarized himself with for a moment just to say hi and how they're doing. Um, during the day, wealthy customers remind him of how important money can be because um, he's, you know, they're poor right now in a way, even though they their house is paid for, blah, blah, blah. One customer recognizes him and tries to get him to drive the limo at high speeds pretending that somebody's after him. Afterwards, while laughing, the client hands Baby a $100 tip for the fun of the experience. Angry but also exhilarated, Baby goes home that evening and has a talk about it with Joseph. Restless, Baby goes to the club to DJ for a bit. While there, he notices Griff sitting at a table watching him. Knowing he can't sneak out without looking suspicious, 
Baby makes the first move by coming up to Griff and saying hi. First thing Baby sarcastically asks him is, I thought you were dead. Unfazed, Griff tells Baby that he wants him to be the wheelman for a job that's coming up. Griff tries to appeal to Baby's sense of adventure, but he doesn't crack. Irritated, Griff walks away after warning him that something may happen soon where he's going to need some money to help his family out. The next day, Baby meets up with his PO and is dismayed to learn that he will continue to be on probation for the unseeable future. Or is it unforeseeable future? Unforeseeable. Hands tied and frustrated, Baby calls Griff. Still need a driver? Then that's it. That's all I got. So I purposely started the movie with a dream sequence, um, hearkening back to the first film. And in a way, it's kind of giving away who's still alive. Kevin Spacey's character, you know he's dead, but he's still, his his voice is echoing in Baby's head. And Flea, and which he, if I was going to write a second and third act, I would I was going to probably put Flea in there somewhere, Flea's character for something. Maybe a mention or an appearance, I don't I don't, I don't know. But um, I don't know, I just, I, I didn't want to like do the whole Edgar Wright thing where I, I connect some form of, some song, specific song with every single scene. I figured I, it's more important just to tell the whole idea first and then go That's back. That's what the pitch is. The pitch is not specific. It's, yeah. It's an overall telling of what the story is. Yeah. Generally first, second, and third act. Yeah. So what I did was I threw connections into the first film to give you that sense of familiarity, but not overdoing it and and then still letting this movie breathe on its own. Right. This is what I would have done Yeah. What for you. Yeah. What would you do? Just a... I'm still learning. Constructive criticism. I'm still learning. Well, we're all still learning. I don't know shit. Is you need to be specific about... This is is what the pitch is. Yeah. You have to have specifics. If it's a dream sequence, you need to detail that it's a dream sequence. So, in Act 1, what you need to do is, in, in capital letters... This is a dream sequence. Yeah, because I'm not telling this to an audience. I'm telling this to a to a room of, of executives. They don't give a shit about the twist right. of the scene. I, yeah, I get you. The, I get yeah, you. It's, it, the, it, it comes down to real simple, just words and phrasing. Yeah. So what you say is, this is a dream sequence. You're, you What you're doing is you're making it... You're making it yours. Yeah. But... You're not writing a script, uh-huh. you know. I could just put it's an unrevealed dream sequence or something. Like no, that. you just put this is a dream sequence. You don't need to go fucking deep with it. You just write this is a dream sequence. It's specific. Yeah, that's being specific. All right. You don't need to go into detail about the specificities <laughs> of the sequence. You just put this is a dream sequence. Say scopolamine. Scopolamine. All right. Scopolamine. <laughs> so. And then, you know, Bernthal and Flea, right? Yeah. So when you're doing this, you're going, then then after the dream sequence, the dream sequence, okay. So, you know, waking up, waking up, or upon waking up, uh-huh. we realize that baby was dreaming. Yeah. Okay. Because even though it says dream sequence, yeah. that you got to be a little specific. Baby yeah. was dreaming, okay? Yeah, I you don't know. want any, I don't want cutscenes of of him like stirring in bed with his eyes closed and then it cuts back to the dream again. Right. I don't want to do that dumb shit. We realize that baby was dreaming. It was you know it was it was one of those. Even though it's obvious when you're watching the scene that it's a dream because of how things play out. It was one of those holy shit moments, <laughs> you know, and, and that's that's what you that's the way you write this stuff. 
It was one of those holy shit moments, blah, 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 you know, um, because he's, you know, holy shit, he wakes up sweaty. He's sweaty, you know, sweaty and probably confused at where he is. Yeah. Probably a bit confused. And then, you know, in the, but uh, and then he realizes, fuck off, you stupid thing, you know, then realizes that the alarm clock is on, has gone off. Yeah. And Dylan's knocking on Heaven's Door is playing. Yeah. Okay. Not my favorite song, but whatever. I brought it up because of Bath bringing it up. Yeah, and that's and that's a good callback to the first movie. Yeah, and, and you go on like that. See, with with the way that this stuff is going, it, it's it, it's not bad. It's I'm not saying you know oh go back and redo it. <laughs> no, no, that's not what I'm saying. When I'm 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 giving hints about the way I've seen it done. Yeah, because this is the elevator pitch. Yeah, you have a couple minutes to go. This is what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't need to put you know. The, Actors or anything else like that, you know, you can use previous actors. It's the caffeine fueled pitch. Yeah. So, um, and, and uh, where is it? Into the family dynamic with some. We don't need catch up dialogue because the story is going to catch us up anyways. We already know that he just he got out of jail at the end of the first one, right? Yeah. Do we need the kids? Uh, five years. Is- well, that's the the movie's not going to focus on the kid at all. It's just showing that he's got a family. I know, but then you don't need him. If the, here and here's the thing with movies, okay? You cut out all the flotsam and jetsam, cut out all the drag. Yeah. Okay. If you're not going to use the kids, you don't need them. They're planning on having kids. I thought. Well, I if I would have gone far, farther into it, I would have had a, something that would have the kid in for for something important for a moment. Yeah, but see, that's that's. To me, that's schlocky. It, I, I think it's how you do it because you look, you want to care about baby. You want to care about what he cares about. And his main motivation is his family. So that's why. Uh, yeah, but. Okay. He's on parole. Yeah. Okay. The whole movie, the the original baby driver is him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do we care about his girlfriend? Kind of. But. Well, I mean, because of how important she was made to be for him but by she, the end of the first movie. Right. You know what I mean? Kind of, but they could have broken up. So we, we don't know. Well, that, that kind of takes a shit on the, the you know, the, the effort in the last movie because he wanted to leave with her. I know. But again, <laughs> that, that's the that's the puppy love type of thing. Yeah. Right? Um, wait, wait, wait. It ain't puppy love anymore if she waited five goddamn years for his it, ass. It is because... They they only had a few minutes together really outside until he went until after jail. I know. <laughs> I made some comment in my review for the movie about her naive character because I mean he's already calling her up saying, You ready to leave? And she's like, I'm ready to go anywhere with you, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Really? I mean, it's great that you guys are feeling digging each other. Yeah, but, it, but you know, that's that young love type oh, of yeah. thing. And, you know, it's the and, and Kevin Spacey just saw it. He saw it. Right. And he was like I was in love once. I was in love once. So uh, and, okay, so here we go. Uh, waking up in bed next to Deborah, Deborah intro to the family dynamic. We we kind of don't need that, but the P.O. is interesting. So, it, you know, he wakes up, and they're kind of, maybe they're planning on another road trip, you know. G- cut the kids out. 
<laughs> you baby baby driver vacation. Baby baby driver backseat driver, right? <laughs> backseat baby booster baby driver. Puppy monkey baby. Right, puppy monkey baby. Ugh. Um you you cut you you cut the um you cut the kids out. Mm-hmm. Because what you could do is this. The the idea for baby driver 2 is is the next step. Yeah. Before kids. Okay? Because generally what happens is if you have kids, if you throw kids in too early, it gets mucked up. Yeah. And then they, they use the kids as the me, fucking- I don't want a mummy returns it. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> they use the kids just like in the mummy returns yeah, as some and, sort and of- And there will be no kidnapping. Fucking leverage or kidnapping. Yeah. There right? will, there, my, my version of a baby driver sequel tries to go as much against cliche as possible. Right. As possible. So-, so they wake up, they're no having kidnapping. coffee. Maybe they're planning on, you know, they're not, they can't go out of state yeah. or whatever. Yeah, because for some reason I wanted to do Tallahassee, and I did a bunch of research on fucking Tallahassee just to see how that would fit and what what kind of work he would have there and stuff like that. What's the big stuff there? And Atlanta's better. I I know. Then well, then I I looked up you know parole and all that stuff, and he could well, he's on parole. He can't go out of fucking state, right? So even though Tallahassee's right by the border, it doesn't matter, right? It or maybe they're taking Joseph uh-huh. to the one place that he wanted to go. Yeah. Or like a reminiscing you type of thing. turn into a road trip, like a Mad Max fucking long car chase road trip. You could do that, <laughs> but you don't need to. You don't need to do that. I just thought that was the direction you were about to go. No, in. Yeah. you know, like, like it's kind of like a side story. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I even looked up Savannah, Georgia, because then that's in, at least in the same state. I was gonna have them on the coast, you know, and trying to be away from all the shit. Right. But then I, I don't. just keep it in Atlanta. Just and then yeah, after a while, I was like, you know what? That adds to him being stuck. Feeling of being stuck is him being still near Atlanta. So, so what, you're in the Atlanta suburb. Fuck it. That's what I ended up doing. All right. So what you do here is he gets a call from his PO, setting up a monthly follow up. Blah blah blah. He goes to the, the he goes to the school for deaf kids. Blah blah blah. That's fine. Okay. You missed a big opportunity right here. <laughs> right here. What? Wealthy customers you know remind pitch, him of right? how important. That's why I'm saying. Wealthy <laughs> customers remind him of how important money can be. One customer re- recognizes him and tries to get him to drive the limo at high speeds, pretending that somebody's after him. Okay. That is your starting point. That's your big point right there. Oh, that's my, my dopender moment? No. <laughs> yes. But yeah. 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 That's your reintro of Kevin Spacey moment. He sees this guy get in uh-huh. and he looks like Kevin Spacey. It's not Kevin Space. Yeah. Okay. But it's another guy doing the same thing. Yeah. Very, it's, he's one of Kevin Spacey's contacts and he gets into the limo on purpose and does exactly this, which is our customer recognizes him and tries to get him to drive the limo at high speeds, pretending that somebody's after him, which somebody is after him, but he's pretending that somebody's not after him. Okay. Uh-huh. To see if the kid still has it. Oh, like, uh, you know, just... It's a test. Out of nowhere, yeah. Okay. It's not really out of nowhere. He's been kind of following him. Okay. No, no. I mean that baby takes it as just out of nowhere. And in fact, you can go one deeper, which is it's Kevin Spacey's son. Ah. Or brother. I'm sorry. Brother. <laughs> the fucking- I'm telling you this. Victor Gruber. This is why. Why? Because of the nephew. Oh. The kid nephew that yeah. went into the post office and yeah. was able to rattle off everything that's going on including how many tellers how many cameras etc 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 yeah yeah and if he's telling his nephew that he's telling his brother yeah 
and his brother's in the business. I could, yeah, I could see that. Okay, and the reason why his brother has is trying is contacting him again, not Kevin Spacey, just somebody else, some really fucking good actor. Okay, that we love, Gary Oldman. <laughs> All right, doesn't, but it's probably not. You know, anyways. So Charles Dance. So at the, yeah. <laughs> Well, afterwards, while laughing, the client hands baby a hundred dollar tip. In the tip is a business card. Okay, uh-huh. but he doesn't see it until because he puts it yeah, in his okay, pocket. Yeah, you don't ever look at your fucking tip when they hand it to you. Yeah, thanks, sir. Boop. Yep. Right afterwards, while laughing, they get out. They have a few moments of, of, you know, hey, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for doing this for me. You know, I, I paid the cops off so. We could do this and, and got a, a special permit, which he, he did. He got a special permit, right? Yeah. And uh, I just I just wanted to uh, I just wanted to live a moment like that, right? It's on my bucket list type of thing. Bullshit. Yeah. Then they get out and they they exchange they do exchange information. And he's like, hey, I may want to hire you. You know, this is the setup. I may want to hire you in the future to you know pick me up. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. You know. And and I'll see you later, baby. Okay. Yeah. But baby never gives him his name, so he gets something. He's like, "Okay, sir, have a nice day." He starts driving. He was like, "How do you know my name?" <laughs> yeah. Right. So he drives off, and that's stuck in his head now. Right. Uh, and he's exhilarated, weirded out. Goes home that evening. Has a talk about it with Joseph. Restless, baby goes to the club to DJ, and then he notices Griff there. Okay. And he's like. This is way too coincidental. This is kind of bullshit, yeah. right? But he's he's smart though. Yeah, that's why I wrote that he 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 knows not to just sneak out. Yeah, so he he can't do anything. So he makes the first move, right? And he says, "Hey, sir, can I? You mind if I buy you a drink?" As they're sitting there, yeah. You know what are you having? Type of thing, with a wink and a nod at the guy. Yeah, you know. And Griff Griff kind of is like, uh, you know, coffee, right? Mm-hmm. At maybe a job well done, but co- it could be Kahlua and cream for all we know. Yeah. So baby orders a coffee, orders two really, <laughs> and and there's like some small talk between them, but it, again, I mean, um, right here where he's going to need some help, he's going to need some money to help his family out. Blah 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 blah. That's always the weak, the weak bad guy saying something like that. Yeah, I that's but I I, I that's I know after saying that, I, I definitely intended that it wasn't gonna end with, with his family getting fucked with. Yeah. Griff walks away after warning him that something may happen soon where he's going to need some money. It would be better if Griff said, you know, patted him on the back and said, Thanks for the drink. Maybe we'll catch up sometime. Maybe we'll catch up sometime. Or see you soon. Yeah. Or, you know, and and, and it's a double entendre. What do you mean? Yeah. Right? And and you can lead that into the next act. Take care. <laughs> yeah. Take care of yourself, kid. I'll be seeing you. Yeah. You know, which is a threat, but it also may not be a threat. Yeah. You know, Just baby on your toes. Baby meets up with his PO is dismayed to learn. And that's good. He's on, still on probation and, you know, he's doing good, but he's fucked up a couple times. Like he's missed a couple of PO, you know, calls or shows or whatever. Yeah. So well, also because uh, his celebrity status, so people keep still talk about it. So it's in the it's in the mind's eye. Not really, because it's five years later. Well, technically, it's ten now. It's, well, I mean, it's ten after he's gotten out of jail. Five or five after he's gotten out of jail, but ten after the incident. Okay, let's. I mean, even just cutting it back to just call it six years, 
Right. Do you know I almost fucking did six years? That was weird that you said that. Yeah. Right? Just cut it to six years because what you're doing is cutting out the kids. If it was ten years later, you know, then I can I can understand kids. But you, like I said, we're we're leading into him yeah, having kids. Also, later. I figure since the end of the Next first movie. movie cuts five years later, a bunch of times already been cut through. Right. So I don't want to cut too much more after that. Yeah. So you go like six, maybe seven. Yeah. But six years later, because five years plus one year of them living together or, you know, yeah. lovey-dovey type of thing, right? Um, I purposely also didn't want them to have a fucking baby. I, I didn't want to deal with that shit right. in the story. So I wanted the kids to be the kid to be around five or six. Right. But again. So they can talk, but they, you know, they don't, it's not like he's changing diapers and right. shit. But you, you cut that shit out. So I don't want to, I don't want a three men and a baby, baby driver. But that's what you're going to get. Three men and a baby driver. <laughs> yeah. That's what, but that's where you're going with it. You, you cut the kid out, you cut the kids out, because you want that for later. I, but I, the reason why, and look, I understand you talking about the, but I want to have something to make you still care about what he cares about. Who gives a shit? You're, you're caring about him, him refining his life. Well, that's a, a mo- that's a, the motivator. It, you that, know? No, it's not. Because you're not using the children in the fucking movie, so who cares? There's no motivation there if you're not using the kids. In any way, shape, or form, you're just—they're just there for 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 window dressing. It's like a—that's why you cut it to six years, and then you allude to it, and then they're then you know you could you could do something with the kids in the next film or whatever. It's just like a a, a, a reinforcement of uh, how important his relationship with Deborah is. But it's not. The kids are window dressing. You're not using them for anything. There's a re- movies are bad for one reason only. And that's a winking and nodding to the audience. Not one reason. There's there's several reasons. The wink and nod to the audience. Hey, hey, look at me. Remember me from another movie that you really liked? Wink, wink. The Boba Fett thing in yeah. Star Wars, okay? The, the, uh, the, the using kids as window dressing or using an animal as window dressing. It's not important to the film, so why be in the film? Like, like the movie that we just saw, there's a character in the movie that has history with the main character, but they didn't use her, okay? Mm-hmm. They didn't use this character. It was just like three or four scenes. You don't have the mom flashbacks? No. No, I'm talking about Zendaya. Oh, that movie. And, but she wasn't relative to the story, so why even have her in there other than the fact that she has star power? Mm-hmm. Right, because they're, all they're doing is showing her in, as the in the trailers. Yeah, they're not showing. You know, it's it's always her. Yeah, and and the girl he had a crush on. Yeah, was not even in the trailers. Yeah, you're right. If if she was, she was definitely not emphasized. Well, she was in the first trailer. I should say that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she was it, it, again. Not there's no emphasis there. Yeah, there's emphasis towards other characters, minor characters, but they're not rele- relevant to the story. So why even have that character in there, right? Well, yeah, I, I, I get it. So in the, in this case, you don't need to have kids because they're not relevant to the story. Well, you don't have to bog it down with a bunch of kids. I, I you know, it, But you don't need them. But I also want to show evolution of character. I, you can show evolution of character without adding a kid because that's a forced evolution of character. Not always. I mean, a lot of people have kids. Wouldn't that be a natural thing? Yeah, but why are you setting this five years after he gets out of jail? Just so that, you <laughs> just because the, so that the kid is a certain age. There we go. Yeah, it's window dressing. 
because you have you, they're literally not there for anything other than oh I got to get home to my kids I have a family to look at for and what you could be doing is instead of using those you have you have the idea you plant the idea plant the seed as it were that he wants a family okay that's the next evolution of this character anyways because in the movie his parents die okay yeah so he may be afraid of fucking commitment because what what if what if the girl that he's dating they get married right and they die and leave their kid as an orphan right uh-huh. okay so that's the dynamic that you're going for in this next evolution which is him and her are getting together and not stupid commitment not stupid movie commitment fears you know we're talking real real fears where he is he wants to have a relationship with her and he's having a relationship with her but he can't 100% commit because of that fear which is re- which is real of what would happen if we had a kid and we died, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So that's where you're going with this. His evolution is not just, boom, five years and they're married and have a kid. You have to tell the story in between. And the story in between has to be him coming to terms with this guilt that he continually feels about his parents dying and him surviving and working that into the relationship he has with Deborah, And then ultimately they are able to work that out because she's 100% committed to him and he's 100% committed to her on paper, but he's not 100% committed to her in reality because of this, this fucking fear that's driving him. No pun intended, but that's, that's this next evolution. So what he does is he uses that fear to escape and do the driving again. Okay. To get away, to figure out, What's really important, and that's that's an evolution. Uh, that's another phase of evolution as well. What's more important, this or this, right? And even though you're really good at the driving thing, you have this at home, and she's 100% behind you, but you've got to learn to. It's not balance. You've got to walk away from doing the easy thing and and do the hard thing. Which is which is the basis for businesses and relationships and everything else, okay? And that's that's the important thing about this. The pitch is that's that's what you're trying to convey. He is unsure, so he uses the driving to escape from his commitments to her. Although he's still committed, he's bringing in money. You know, they're able to buy a house and yada yada yada. Yeah, I was one of the subtext was going to be that. They use the Kevin Spacey money, the doc money, right, to buy a house, right, and and that's perfect. Now that now that they have stability, okay, stability doesn't mean everything. Stability just means that you have a home base, right, and then you're not going to do the fucking schlocky Hollywood thing, anyways. You know, like oh, they're going to burn the house down or shoot it up or whatever, right? Now you you leave that n- nonsense out of it. What you're doing again is you're showing the evolution of baby. In that, even though he thinks that he's tr- he's he's ready for the next phase, he really isn't, because he can't get away from the driving thing long enough to understand that there's more important things out there 
than doing this. And he keeps getting pulled in by these fucking nefarious piece of shit individuals <coughs> that try to hold this whole, you know, oh, fucking your relationship is a sham and this and that and the other thing. And then he starts to think about John Hamm, John Hamm's character, buddy. right? You know, yeah, Buddy and his girlfriend. What, Darling. Yeah. Monica. Yeah. And, and the fact that that dude was committed to this chick. Yeah. You know, no matter what was really going on in his life, which, you know, somebody, it may have been that he was a Wall Street guy. Yeah. Well, that's that's cheating on his wife yeah, with those, this other those person. Those two were Bonnie and Clyde, ride or die for each other. Right. But he sees this fucking ultimate commitment by this guy. I really loved her. Yeah. You know, and I think the whole the whole thing was, of all the girls, she was the one I really loved. Mm. He said something like that. And that's that's the thing that keeps keeps popping up in his mind, you know, mm-hmm. which is I'm doing this for her, but I'm 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 trying, you know, I'm he's sabotaging his relationship and then realizes that he is trying to sabotage this relationship when he doesn't want to, no. you know, and again, not that Hollywood schlocky thing where it's miscommunication or, you know, you were supposed to come home at eight o'clock at night and you got home at eight 30 and I'm really mad. So I'm going to bed. Bullshit. That's why I had it written where he talks to Joe yeah. about it instead of his wife. Cause I didn't want, I didn't want to go into that, that, that argument bullshit to take up a big chunk of the movie. Right. And they're not going to, and that's the other thing. They're not arguing. There, yeah. there, there should be no arguments between them unless it's, it feels real. Yeah, it should be just discussion. Them talking about, you know, him, him saying, "I need to do this because I don't know what's going on." Yeah, because I don't know if I'm trying to run away from you. You know, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of of moving our relationship into the next step, which is marriage and kids, because of what happened with my parents. You know. It, you know, and you can have this discussion. That's where that's, but that's where this is leading. That's the follow up to Baby Driver or Baby Driver Part Two <coughs> has to be the next step of them finally figure out what's the important thing in their lives. Well, how would you feel about if you did the opposite of that, where he overcompensates by having a bunch of kids with her? <laughs> I know that overcrowds the movie. I, yeah, you, 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 Edgar Wright's not an overcrowder. No, he's uh but all in all this this is really good. I mean, it's for off the cuff. <laughs> I put thought into this before I started writing. Um the only stuff it was at the stuff at the end and it was funny because what you your comment about what um uh, Griff says to him about threatening you know kind of threatening his family in a way. Uh-huh. That's kind of like what I kind of rushed through at the end because I was like, dude, I got to finish this. I got shit. I got other things I got to do, right? Right. So that, yeah, that one I, I didn't put as much thought into, but. Well, and that's why yeah. I'm here. Yeah. The other stuff. I'm here I'm, to call out your bullshit, dude. But yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> I I like the, I, I, I'm all, you know me, man. I'm all about connections. That's why I know we'll talk about this next week. So we're not going to do a Spider-Man Homecoming review, but that's what I liked about like say Spider-Man Homecoming is, is there's. There's those connections that, that you know, the familiarity, but it stood on its own it's at the, the same time. Connection. Yeah, I love, I love little connections, man. I, I love a good connection. Swear to God, if I if I was a screenplay writer, or a full on screenplay writer, and I was doing sequels or follow ups or whatever, I would, I would, always find a way to have, a, have connections, 
that give you that that familiar sense of the the first time or the last time so that you get comfortable into this one and it works they work together and you know it, it that's that's it i and i look at i'm not even gonna i don't nope we're not doing spider-man homecoming so i'm gonna leave that alone all right yeah <laughs> but uh oh shit we gotta figure out what our next pitch is gonna be regarding spider-man how would you do a spider-man movie or or something related to spider-man homecoming or you know because technically <coughs> look i know you can call it a bunch of different things but it's still in a way it's a reboot so you know how would you do a reboot of something else like how would you do a reboot of batman or or someone if you want i i, I we'll figure it out you know what i mean well here here it is it, it, it's not going to be Sp- spider-man um just something relatable in, in one way or another yeah it's going to be um it's going to be a comic book movie. Okay, so superhero or... It doesn't matter. Yeah. Comic book movie. Now, since Homecoming is the first in the new Marvel MCU... You could do a Spawn. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's the whole thing behind this, which is... I don't know shit about Spawn. It's going to be not a reboot, not a remake, but kind of a reboot, kind of a remake. Yeah. A first in a series comic book movie. Yeah. Okay. The very first film that introduces a character could be popular. I already know what I'm going to do. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> it's it's got to be a comic book movie, which is, is the first movie in a series. Are you okay? going to do Solomon Grundy? Yes. No. <laughs> I am not going to do Solomon Grundy. Although that's a great idea, and I did have an idea for a Batman version with Solomon Grundy. Okay. Um, in fact, I my... I had a Batman idea. I've already told you this one. I think the next Batman movie should be based off of three things. Clayface, Solomon Grundy, because they, they each they work together well because Clayface is of the clay. Yeah. And Solomon Grundy was killed, mm-hmm. and he came back to life. And uh, I don't know if I want to add the Joker into that. There's part of me that wants to. Maybe the Scarecrow. Okay. But uh, just, my, re- just remember that you need to get your Solomon Grundy idea out there and don't take it to the grave with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Solomon Grundy. Yeah, my, my idea stems from the Batman uh, animated series. Yeah. It was a two-part um, Clayface. Yeah. Where Matt Hagen, who's this actor, is what? Oh, I was thinking about the Halloween mask that I had for the dream sequence. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, th- I purposely had them be Michael Myers, not fucking Mike Myers, but Michael Myers. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. Or, but the other thought that just popped in my head was, what if they were wearing Jason masks? <laughs> oh, Jason. You mean Jason. No. <laughs> I mean fucking Michael Myers. But I, I, you know what? Just Shatner mask. That, that's all you need. Yeah. Um. But do you, do you, what do you think about? I, I purposely stop fucking interrupting me while I'm trying to well, get Kevin this. Sm- Spacey's staring at him the whole time, not saying anything during this chase. It's fine. I'm trying to fucking talk to you about my Batman in production. a fucking Mike Myers mask, Michael Myers what? mask. Uh, all you're doing is yapping. <laughs> Shut your yabbity flabbity. There we go. That's what I want. Jerry Reed. No. <laughs> I know. <clears throat> but. Oh, I can't do that one. Like He's bound and downloaded up and tripped. Fuck. That would have been a good one, too. 
Because it's got someone's .com on it? It's got bandicam.com because someone refused to pay for the licensing fee. Can you just crop it out? I don't want to crop it out. You're a fucking master. I don't like cropping. Picture on the right, dude. Top right. Down, down, down. Right, right. Down, down, down. Down, scroll down a little bit. Right there. Top right. All the way to the right. Yeah, that's a cool pick. Next to the... I want Buford T. Justice. (laughs) Hey there. What's going on? I hear him. (laughs) I hear him. Junior, when I get home, I'm going to punch your mama straight in the mouth. (laughs) I don't think I saved it. Did it save his Buford T. Justice? Yes, it did. So the whole idea for Batman is um, Roland Daggett Uh is selling this this facial cream stuff, right? Yeah. And... Matt Hagen, who is a very popular actor, think Brad Pitt level, you yeah. know, or or whatever, um, has been in an accident. Okay, so he's using the the face cream stuff to remold his face uh-huh. into you know, it, it, so it looks normal. Yeah. But what happens is is that once he starts running out of cream, the, his face facial features start to return to the accident. Yeah. Victim Matt Hagen, right? Yes, he's like addicted to it. Yeah. And the other thing is is that Roland Daggett is uh is using him. So he starts, you know, he um Matt Hagen has to borrow money and this and that and the other thing. Mm-hmm. So it gets to the point where fucking Daggett tries to kill him, right? By pouring the shit down his neck. Okay. Which turns him into Clayface. Yeah. Right. And his assistant shows up at the trailer. And notices that Matt Hagen is nothing but a fucking pile of goo who slowly starts to reform into this thing called Clayface, right? He's just a giant face chaser. And what happens is is that he can't he can't he can't do anything because he has no control over this state. Yeah. And then he starts to yell and scream and argue and says, I was this and I was that and then all of a sudden he starts turning into a pirate like Errol Flynn. Or, you know, a Han Solo type or whatever, right? Yeah. And then his assistant's like, Matt, this is fucking amazing. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you you just turned into all these characters that you played. Hell, you could probably turn into anybody and play that character. Yeah. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, he, and he goes, think of something. So he's like, okay, he, like fucking, he thinks of an orc or yeah. whatever, right? And he turns into this fucking burly orc looking thing. And he looks in the mirror and he's like, Oh my God, this is incredible, right? Yeah. Well, it slowly starts to turn him insane. Yeah. Okay. And and then Batman has to stop him, but he doesn't know how to stop him because he's fucking made of clay. Yeah, he's clayface. <laughs> and then you have Solomon Grundy that's also involved in the mix somehow. I haven't figured that one out yet, but it's the clayface one that m- most intrigues me as a movie in and of itself. Yeah, there was a, that, that episode of um of the Batman, I think that had the episode where Clayface ends up becoming Solomon Grundy or something. By the end. Like, it was someone pretending to be Solomon Grundy in the episode. Mm-hmm. And then you find out it was Clayface or something. And then because he gets defeated at the end, it, it somehow awakens the real Solomon Grundy at the end of the episode or something. Right. Like that. I can't remember all the details, but I just remember there was a Clayface-Grundy connection. Yeah, there's there's always something good that uh, is, is happening in, in Batman the Animated Series. I can't remember what I saved Baby Driver as. The Batman. I thought I saved it as the baby driver. Just do it. Do 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 do. I've got um, uh, what? Uh, I've got Dragnet. The this, the opening theme song stuck in my head for some fucking <laughs> reason. 
Do you want to change that for uh, Perry Mason theme song instead? No. I like. I actually like Dragnet. Drag, Dragnet. That's the joke. Just the facts, man. Just the facts, man. I got the fucking. Now I got the Dragnet remix, the end credits remix in my head. My name's Pep. My name's Pep. There we go. Boop. Boop. Ah, I don't like that one. Goddamn bandy cam. <laughs> right. Whatever. So, this is uh, this week's The Pitch. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Brought to you in part by... <laughs> Cinescape Co- Magazine. Coca-Cola. What the fuck is... Jesus Christ. All I want is to work properly. Just, just like it. Yeah, there we go. I'm me. You're you. <laughs> C'est la vie. Ugh. And adieu. That's so stupid. You don't like to say Auf Wiedersehen? No, you're you're. Auf Wiedersehen. I'm me. You're you. C'est la vie. Adieu. Blah. <laughs> what? C'est la vie. Ha ha. This is ugh. <laughs> I'm me. You're you. Cinescape magazine. Us too. Smash the smash the shop button. Help us out. We we use Amazon to help pay for this, please. So if you're looking for, for stuff to buy, whether it's memorabilia for movies and stuff like that or cool tchotchkes, blah, 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 click on the shop thing. And when on Facebook, click the share. <laughs> yes. Share that motherfucker. A real American shares. Why can't I get this to do? You fucking stupid piece of shit. Will you yeah, fucking work? I struggled. When I put the mini poster at the bottom of my Baby Driver review, I struggled for fucking 20 minutes trying to get it the way that you like it, the, the fucking where it's on the side of the, of the the bottom shit, and I just, it would not okay. fucking do it. I took forever. Fuck it. And finally I did it, tinkering, tinkering around with it for so long that finally I was able to do it, right. but I don't remember what it was because I was just like, fuck it, okay, I'm done, you know. So now it's going to be the same goddamn hassle again. Son of a bitch. All right. So um, you can click that end button any moment now. I could. Maybe. Oh, oh and uh, yeah, if you go to CinescapeMagazine.com. And? You could always, you know, it brings you right to our website. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Wiener Schnitzel Chili. Like <laughs> Wiener Schnitzel Wait. I spelled John Ham wrong. Diced onions and Polish sausage. <laughs> Throw in some crown. Jesus Christ. Fried crown. With glazed persimmons. Glazed persimmons. <laughs> that makes it exotic. <laughs> oh. It makes it exotic? Yeah. Have you ever had chili dog with a persimmon on it no no i have not exotic you're welcome oh i just lost a button just talking about it i bet you did you're awful well sleep apnea while i'm awake (coughs) but it sure tastes good You're just going to have me fucking keep doing the fucking bit while you're, you're still not in the fucking end button. <laughs> Can't, look at, we're at one hour exactly recording, you fuck.
good show. Jolly good show indeed. Hakuna Matata, bitches. This is the Cinescape Movie Podcast. We thank you for listening to the show. And if you have any questions or comments, you can email us or tweet us. My handle is at Joe Spiegel underscore Joe. My handle. That's what I call it, my handle. You can tweet me at. You can send me a tweet at. Tweet me at. You can follow me. Fuck off. All right. Yeah, follow.